0: I was multi-skilled. People used to really like drill me night. well, but what are you though? Um, we had some of the highest gun crime and knife crime rates in the country when I was growing up. And I owed it to the community where I'm from to actually be a mouthpiece for them to explain what's going on in a way that wasn't sensationalized or demonizing towards the community. Because at first, just being a presenter, I was like, right, how are they gonna how are they gonna see me in the hood? Or how many people did I see that sounded, looked, or was from where I was from on TV presenting? All I see is the same sorts of faces we need to do something that helps people from the backgrounds that find it harder to get into this industry have a chance.
1: Welcome to Inspire By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story and they have stories that they haven't yet told, not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Aaron, welcome to the Inspired By Show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, I'm I'm really glad that you've made it here. I know you travelled quite far across London to be here, so thank you so much. Now, Aaron, obviously, many of our audience and followers will have come across you before. You are definitely a face of TV. You've been in broadcasting for over ten years, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> but what my my first question for you, Aaron, I'd love to find out more about is what attracted you into the broadcasting industry.
0: Do you know a secret?
1: Love a secret.
0: I didn't want to be in the broadcast world. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be a face of TV. Initially, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to um to write, and not be seen. Um, I did a few work experiences. Uh, I did one with the Times newspaper, Start Your Business magazine slash Start Your Business TV, and with Total Film magazine, and um, they were all pretty cool after doing them I was like I'm not too sure if print journalism is for me um and so I started to kind of brainstorm and I was like what do I love and I was like oh I love music so I kind of um pivoted towards writing about music and um finding an online magazine or a print magazine that did that dealt with that and through doing that I um I started writing for an online magazine um and I had told them once, oh, I think you guys should go to a TV film premiere um, and maybe film some content there. At the time, people weren't doing it as much. Now everyone's doing it. But at the time, that was pretty much a kind of like a newer concept. And so they said, oh, that's a good idea, Aaron. Why don't you um, come down as well? It was actually for the movie premiere for Anotherhood, which, <coughs> strangely enough, they've got a new sequel coming out like, what, 12 years later called Some Otherhood. Um, with Ed Sheeran and a few other people is going to be in it as well, so it's actually interesting that I'm talking about it now. But yeah, so I, I went to that film premiere. They said, "Come down." I said, "That's fine." I wore a little blazer and stuff. I thought, you know, film premiere. Took my place in the back where I intended to be, and then they were like, "Oh no, could you go in front of camera?" And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't do that." And then we had a little bit of a back and forth, <laughs> and like a little bit of a heated back and forth. I was like, "That's not what I do." And in the end, I just, I just, I just gave in. I said, oh, do you know how to do it?" And when I did it it seemed to really work. Um, I remember like a lot of people were kind of like, looking like, yeah, who's that kind of, who's he? Like, Cause I, maybe a few of them are like, used to being on red carpets and stuff. And I was just having fun and joy you know is I was young. And like, I sometimes say to my friends, I miss that young, carefree, uh, fearless um, energy that I had, because now it has to be more structured. I have to think about what I'm saying. I have to think about what I'm doing. It has to be a little bit more uh, tactical, strategic, at the time, yeah, and I just went through it and it seemed to really, really work. And then it kind of opened me up to realizing mm, maybe I've got something here. But I didn't take it seriously. I just thought, you know, what? I, I like doing this. This is a nice thing to do away from my nine to five because I had a nine to five. I had a job and I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this and um, I'll have fun. It's it's a nice, creative, fun outlet to have away from my work. Not thinking that the creative, fun outlet would become my work, if that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 How did it become your work? Was it like a quick thing where you just fell in love with it or nah. it like slowly progressed to that? Very
0: slow. I think my career, one thing that I've got to say about my career is that um, the trajectory hasn't been as quickly as some of my contemporaries, some of the people that I, um, that even I met on the journey and and tried to give, uh, I, I guess I was maybe in a further place than they were. And I, I've always tried to use my platform to shed light on others. And some of those people that I shed light on are, have become like household names. So it, maybe mine hasn't been as quick as theirs, but mine has been steady um, over a longer duration of time and so you asked me how did it happen um All right so I started doing that I started doing the presenting I started doing like you know the little like kind of behind the scenes and on on red carpet stuff and then I did a short film as well when I first came out of um, uni. A guy that filmed the short film, he kept in contact with me and he kept on telling me, um, There's something about the way that you speak <laughs> and your voice, or something. He's like, We need to do something together. And I was like, What, what is this guy talking about? Like, you know what he's like? <laughs> and I was like, But you know what? Let me give it a chance. And so um, I used to work in an area called Ryslip, which is all the way uh, in the other side of like West Northwest London on the, on, the, on the Central Line. And I used to take a train and go all the way to Bri- uh, Brixton after work to meet this guy and we had like a green screen but it wasn't a green screen it was a green carpet (laughs) literally hanging up and we didn't have auto cue. we had like um i had to learn everything um in my head uh, and then go straight to camera and what he decided to do is he wanted to do like a news flash with me like an entertainment entertainment and music news flash more to do with like you know like the kind of cool young stuff that's going on and film me just presenting it like a news presenter but in a in a kind of modern slightly urban way we did that. It was quite fun. It did all right, but then should we join the whole story? It's, it's, it's quite long. Okay, break it's, it. I, I do I can shorten it. Do you want me to shorten it? Go for it. Yeah. I'll shorten it. I'll shorten it. So basically, just the um. So around that time, I had I I started to host um live shows on stage as well. Three ladies used to organize this live show, who I'm still friends with to now: uh, Marlena, um, Rianne, and Hanny. Um, and they were called the Rouge Ladies. They like they hired me every month to hire their shows. One day they were like, you we want to manage you. I was like, what the, What do you want to manage? There's nothing to manage. I was like, "But if you want to waste your time, go ahead. They started managing me. They would get me bookings for other things. They, they got me a booking for this show to host for an Irish lady. Big up Nicole. Sorry, Nicola. Um, and then when I hosted her show, it was an open mic show. She loved what I did so much. She did an application for me on my behalf to SBTV. Um, they SPTV were looking for a new male presenter. SBTV were like the biggest online youth uh music and entertainment platform on YouTube at the time. Um, I guess arguably still one of the biggest, but you know, rest in peace, Jamal Edwards. That the um the, the channel has 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 changed now, um, understandably. And yeah, so um I ended up getting called in from from she used those news flashes that I was dealing with him as a as a as a attachment for the application. I ended up getting called for the audition for that. Didn't even know what was going on. When I got there, I realized it was also being filmed for a Channel 4 show called Inside SBTV: from bedroom to boardroom. I was the first person to be to audition on a day. And then in the end, after a grueling process, I won the whole competition on Channel 4 and became a presenter for SBTV. After that, now overnight, I've been thrown into interviewing A-list celebrities. Um, my first interview was with Kenny Rowland and it went viral before we even had virality. Um, then I was down at um Albert Square. Um in um <laughs> like literally on Albert Square interviewing the cast. Then I was with LeBron James in Crystal Palace. Um then then it was uh Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh Trey Songs, Richard Branson, Kevin Hart, wow. Nicki Minaj. It was just like it was rampant. And overnight I'm just interviewing some of the people that I've watched for years, becoming friendly with the people that I've watched or listened to for years. Mm. And then um yeah I became their presenter and I was like wow but this is actually a thing now, it was never my intention to be a thing but just through me making great connections and that's why something I have to say as well, that's why I call out the people's names who were on that journey and big up AJ, AJ's the person who um who did the news flash with me, Adam Jasinski Jizins- J- um, I say their names because if it wasn't for them I wouldn't be doing this, like he said oh I like your voice, let's do something I would have never said hey do you have a, a green carpet that yeah. we can <laughs> film something with <laughs> Oh, do you guys want to manage me? I would never have asked that. Yeah. But they asked me. He asked me. Nicola, big you up. She's back in Ireland now. She um she sort of took it upon herself because she saw something in me. These people were the reason why I got into this. And so, SBTV presenter, A-list celebrities every other week, every week. But then something within me was like, hmm, this celebrity stuff is cool. But I'm from a very... Difficult area, very difficult background, uh, high crime, high violence, high murder, high drug rates, and I could see what was happening with the younger ones. I could see where they were heading towards. I knew that there was gonna it was gonna come to a head, and we were gonna see an explosion of violence. And I was like, I really want to do something that touches on where I'm from. That's got nothing to do with celebrities and me having fun with like um, your favorite music artists in the back of a cab, like I did with like, I've done some crazy, some crazy stuff. Um, and so at first it was met with a little bit of disdain or like confusion. I go into meetings with these ideas and they're like, but you do the entertainment stuff. Why would you want to do these kind of topics? But I kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. And then one day um, I met an agent who told me that I wasn't big enough for her to sign sign yet, but she loved me and she wanted to introduce me to people to help me. And so she introduced me to people, and then she introduced me to a guy called Chris Shaw, who was um, at the time the head of um, ITN Productions. He's also, I believe, or he was also the head of the Edinburgh TV and Film Festival. Um, And when I met Chris, I didn't know, I didn't realize the enormity of who he was. Um, But when I've gone in there now, I've just gone in there with all of my zeal. I've gone in there with my, I I used to go to my meetings with like a folder full of ideas that I have written out and stuff that I could kind of break down to people. I've just gone in there and showed him who I was, and he was kind of, um, I think he was taken by me more than my ideas, <laughs> maybe. Like and I think he um I think he just and it was and it wasn't even just me as a person. He was more taken by like little parts of my story. Like I remember he was um he was very
1: now, I just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to share a quick message with you. Now, I've been hosting these interviews with Inspired by Show for a while now, and I've been loving all of the great feedback from our listeners. And it really means a lot when you will share from listening to these episodes, watching these episodes, share your incredible feedback. And I love that you love it as much as we do. Now, my mission for the Inspired By Show is to inspire others to challenge the norm, share their story, knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable and shock horror, take the mask off and be raw and real. So so i have a favor to ask can you help me on this mission by sharing this episode with someone who you think needs to hear this message maybe there's a friend a loved one a colleague or someone that you know that would really benefit from hearing this inspiring story if you could do that to help us help even more people to challenge the norm and push themselves out of their own comfort zone then i'd really appreciate it so if you haven't already share this episode with a friend a loved one a colleague or someone that you know would benefit now back to the episode interested
0: and quite surprised that i went to university but while at university i would go to work every day so i used to go to university but then after university i would work at river island from five to nine he was like so you went to university all day and then you went to work and i said yeah every day like five days a week kind of thing and he found those kind of things really quite interesting because maybe i guess he hadn't really heard of people doing that much before anyway sorry I'm, I'm babbling on but um he's never told me that he did this but i believe what happened next is down to him So he kept on trying to connect me with people like ITN to make certain things happen. They had this little um, thing that they were trying that was going to be something that was going to connect more with like a younger demographic. Um, I don't think it really came off in the end, but some really talented people were on that team. One of the guys that was heading up the team actually became the guy that headed up MTV. Um, And he kept trying to connect me with things. And then one day I got an an email, which I thought was a spam email. Um, And it was from Channel 5. And they explained to me, look, we've got these documentaries that, that we want to do. There's these different topics. Why do you have a look at through these, some of these topics and tell us if any of them relate to you or what you're interested in? I was like, this is spam. Like, why has why it come through to my spam? And why is it why is Channel 5 emailing me? I was like, it's too good to be true. But I was like, you know, let me just read through it. And I, st- I still reply to it just in case. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, it's probably spam, but let me reply to it. Didn't hear anything for a while. And then out of the blue, like, I think I can't remember how long, how much long after it was. They came to me and said, "Yep, okay, cool. We want you to host this documentary. We're going to send you over contracts. It's going to be starting in this time, and like literally within a couple of like weeks or maybe a couple of months." And I was like, "What the hell? Like it's just happening." And so I was like, "Wow, this is what I wanted to do for all this time." I'm missing a point, actually. Sorry. Before that, I started working on a Sky One show. I came in as a contributing presenter, and when I started on the show, I I told the guy Bob Clark. I told him that, oh, look, I know you you might have seen that I do entertainment stuff, but I want to do factual stuff on this show. I do the entertainment stuff as well, but I would like to do some of the factual stuff on this show. So I started to get a, a little bit of an understanding for how factual works, the tone that I needed, because the tone is completely different. When I'm on the it's like, ah, 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 ah. With the tone of factual, it's a bit more respectful, a bit more calm, a little bit more uh, pensive. And so, yeah, Channel 5 thing happens now. After I've been doing the Channel 4 series as a contributing presenter for maybe about, three or four series. Um, I'm blown away. I'm like, I got into a really deep sense of focus at that time. I was like, I need to make sure that I knock this out of the park because I realized that in this industry that an opportunity comes and it might be the only one, um, depending on how you do with it. And so I just got into a real deep sense of focus. Like I remember, I remember that time it was just really, it was Unbreakable focus, and I put everything into doing that documentary. It was called One Punch Killers. It was um, it was meant to be on 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 Five Star, but I think when the guys at the channel saw it, watched it back, they enjoyed it so much they promoted it to Channel Five. Wow! It came out Channel Five prime time, and then it ended up being the second highest viewed show on the channel, and it became part of like of like um, I guess culture a lot of people come up to me still to now and oh one punch killers like you know I love that documentary and stuff and I got invited to the to parliament I got invited to parliamentary like um, meetings and discussions about things to do because the documentary was about people that might go out on a night out drink too much and then they get into a fight they punch someone they don't realize that the one punch can actually kill the person whether it be the impact of the punch or the person hitting their head on the ground um, and so that sh- that documentary doing so well it catapulted me. I started doing breakfast TV. I was doing the right stuff, um, and then I got more opportunities. I, I did another, I did another, another documentary one-hour special, and then I did another documentary one-hour special. Then I did two series, and those series now are still on. Still on my five. Now you can watch them: "When Kids Kill" and "When Teens Kill." Those shows did well as well. And they've also become embedded in, I, I guess, what you might call. Uh, documentary culture history and then I just kept building and so um I did a documentary on Brexit and NHS which is on Amazon Prime uh, I did a documentary on uh the black pound and the empowerment of the black community through business um which which was my first producer credit because I actually came up with the idea and I got an associate producer um credit on that as well as well as presenter credit. It's, called, it's still on BBC iPlayer now. It's called Spending Black, the Currency of Community. And then before that, I did a documentary for BBC as well called... Uh, oh, my gosh, sorry. You Match a Description. Um, stop and search. And that got nominated for a Broadcast Digital Award. Yeah. And so over the space... It sounds like it was. it wasn't. It was over the space of years. But I guess over the last... I would say... Where are we now? 2023? <laughs> Over the last, I would say, maybe six years, I've managed to put myself in a space of being an accomplished documentary maker, mm. documentarian, um, even uh now a documentary creator because I've managed to get myself a, a producing producer credit. Even I should have got I should have got some before, but it's hard to get them in the industry. Even though you've done the work, yeah. people don't want to give them to you. And so yeah. And now I'm in a whole different space, but I'll tell you more about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It sounds like you've done so much, Aaron, and like, yeah. I think it's really—I'm I'm really grateful for you sharing us the process because I think a lot of people come on podcasts or go on TV, and all they do is share the wins. They're yeah. like, "I've done this, and this is amazing, and I'm amazing." It's not like a—it was not easy. Oh, there was loads. There were so many processes there in the mid, in the middle. So many steps in in the journey. Now, what what made you pick those documentaries? Because it sounds like by the time you've you know, quote unquote, made it, become known in the industry, you probably got loads of opportunities. Like you said, the Channel Five list why these documentaries
0: so um i had a hidden life when i was doing the presenting stuff it wasn't my only job um i and i don't know why i had a hidden i wasn't hiding it but it was just another side to my my life that maybe people didn't realize so all the all the while when i was building my presenting career interviewing the celebrities um i also worked as a mentor a youth mentor and then i went on to do some qualifications and I specialised in behaviour. So I'm actually a behaviour specialist. I specialise in dealing with challenging behaviour in young adults. So in terms of why those documentaries, I just, one day it hit me, it's like, why don't I combine what my specialism outside of this industry is and what I do in this industry? And also my passion for wanting to be a voice and try to properly communicate um, the, the voices or the narrative of the places that I come from. I come from the city. I come from Northwest London, I come from an area called Harlsden. Um We had some of the highest gun crime and knife crime rates in the country when I was growing up. And so I felt like I, I owed it to where I'm from and I owed it to the community where I'm from to actually be a mouthpiece for them to explain what's going on in a way that wasn't sensationalized or demonizing towards the community, which I felt like was being done too much. So all those things combined, I think it put me in good stead to be a voice that spoke on youth violence that spoke on unfortunate murders, that f- spoke on drugs, that spoke on, I guess, the more criminal aspects of society, as well as the other things that I've done as well, which has been learning experiences. Like So Brexit and NHS, I had to do a lot of political learning. Like I was never really politically engaged. I'm now an, an ambassador for a political youth charity, um, which is crazy because I was never interested in politics. But the, uh, the reason why I accepted the ambassadorship because they they educated me so much. Kids educated me so much on politics. Um, stop and search uh, I wanted to get an internal perspective from the police from the legislators um, on what I know has been something frustrating for us in the inner city I remember there was a summer when I was stop and searched hundreds of times I had slips like this and so what seemed like racialized legislation is something I wanted to shine a light on and the other one um, spending black the power of uh, the, the currency of community that's something I always thought. I always thought, well, what would happen if, um, if people actually ac- um, actively made an effort to spend money within the community? Would that give the community a sense, a, a, a sense of uh, self self dependence? Would it build like an economy? And that's why I call it the currency of community. Could communities then have a currency of community? Would they then be able to? to build within themselves just because people are investing in them because they are, you know what I'm trying to say, investing in themselves. And so all these little ideas and little thoughts that I've had as a young boy in the hood that was too too shy or didn't want to express these deeper thoughts, I I got older and I was able to turn them into TV. And for me, that's very pride-filling. Yeah.
1: I can imagine. And it's probably really inspiring for the kids of today because like you say, a lot of kids I find have to we were talking about a little bit off-camera. Play dumb, you yeah. know, because I can't be the smart one in the room. I'll get <laughs> judged. I'll get bullied. I'll get this, you know. And and you're, you know, rightly putting an end to that. In some some regard what you're doing, you're showing that actually it is great to be intelligent. And look at the amazing things that you can find out about. What? How, how have you found that now? Being the figure that you are, working with kids. Well.
0: I don't see myself as any different. Like it's this mad, isn't it? It's like I'm, I'm, I don't know. They they remind me, and like the people that I work with. Like so, I've gone even further now into like the charity sector where I've I've actually gained funding of my own uh, twice to do two um, projects within my local borough that is directly helping and working with young people. The first one was an empowering leadership program. The second one is one that I designed around trauma and I called it Speak About It, Heal Out Of It where I've gone into different schools and I've also opened up a dropping clinic for people to come in and learn how to understand their trauma, unpack their trauma and also apply first aid, so to speak, in trauma to themselves and those who are around them. And the people who I've worked with, like, because basically there was, there was a part of our funding um, application or our funding requirements that said we had to bring in an Bringing icons for the um young young ones to um to 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 speak to and learn from and be inspired by, and then we were in a meeting, and then the guys and then the guys who um who I've been working alongside were like, well, Aaron, actually, you're kind of like the icon that's been working them, and I'm I'm like what, and they explained to me because of I guess what I do and who I am, but I just don't think like that. So the point of what I'm trying to make to you is that um I don't think about it like I just think about put it this way I realized from when I when I won the SPTV competition before that I was trying to get into schools and do talks and connect with you. nobody would let me in they were like why should we let you into our school who were you <laughs> <laughs> maybe rightly so Pequen- yeah rightly so <laughs> and then when I won that competition I was on TV and stuff and people said everyone wanted me to come in and I was like ah oh. so straight away as a young boy in my early 20s yeah I realized oh I can use this as a as a mechanism to do that and to help people so from the start of my journey that's what i've been doing up until now i use the things that i do as a as a as a key to open doors to allow me to help others which i think ultimately then keeps me more grounded which is why i can't answer your question because i don't really think about it i don't think about my status i just think about what can this status do to help you 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 or whoever else do you know what i mean
1: definitely that's probably also why it works though yeah because you're not Obsessed with how do I look in this shot? What's going on here? It's about what other people are thinking. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I find fascinating about your background, Aaron, is that you have gone on to Nardi documentaries that connect with your past life, yeah, if you will, yeah, like yeah, my yeah, language. Yeah. What have you learned on the journey of doing these documentaries? Has your opinion changed? Have you ha- Has it gone a different way or are you still believing and seeing what you grew up with?
0: Yeah, I think... I always knew about the pain that is caused by you know, criminal actions, and especially when it leads to something like a murder. But I think through spending so much time with grieving parents and grieving families, I think the pain became even more uh, evident and intense for me. And so I've had to grow up in that, there may have been certain individuals around me growing up who I know were doing certain bad things that I would excuse. It's matured me now to a point of I understand that it happens and I understand, like I said to you before, there's a genealogy behind everything. There's a cause and effect. But it's it's led me to be a place that now where I'm like, look, we need to, we this needs to stop. Like, we can't keep creating pain and hurt. Part of the reason why I did my last project on trauma because I realised that we've got a lot of untreated trauma um, in a lot of young individuals. And there's a saying that says, hurt people, hurt people. And unfortunately, that is true. Not always. Sometimes hurt people help people. Um, But often than not, um, a hurt person can hurt other people because they haven't learned how to deal with their pain. And the only way to stop that is if you've got less pain. So I think, to answer your question, I think it's made me more, it's made me less, uh, I was going to say tolerant. Yeah, maybe less tolerant. I think before I was like, well, you know, that's just the streets. The streets are the streets, you know what I mean? That's how the hood goes. But actually the streets are the streets, but it causes a lot of pain a lot of anguish, a lot of irremovable hurt and distraught. And we need to address that and we need to lessen that. And if I can be part of doing that, then my job is done.
1: And I, I loved everything you're saying, Aaron, about making the change. And if I if I reflect this on, if I tell you my experience, and then it'll maybe help answer the question I'm about to ask you. When I first started telling my story and really standing up about mental illness, bit of background, I suffered with severe clinical depression, lost my job, lost everything. And when I started talking about it, a lot of people who were on the journey with me before or experienced similar things were like, what is she doing talking about it? She shouldn't be talking about it. You can't change it because a lot of people don't like change. How have you found that on your journey? You know, you are making a change. You're talking very openly about subjects that, let's be honest, some people probably don't want to hear about, don't want to face. How have you felt that or how have you experienced that change around people that maybe were in that previous life that you'd experienced?
0: Yeah, that was a massive worry for me. At first, because at first, um, just being a presenter, I was like, "Right, how are they going to see me in the hood now? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How are they going to see me now? Because I thought, how many people did I grow up with? Or how many people did I see that sounded, looked, or was from where I was from on TV presenting? No guys were aspiring to be presenters. They were aspiring to be footballers, rappers, maybe a singer. Even singers were a bit, you know what I mean? They were aspiring to be more those types of figures. A sportsman of some kind. No one wanted to be a presenter. I think, you know, not to play into uh, gendered stereotypes and in some ways, I guess, discriminati- discriminatory thought. But I think presenting was probably something that was more associated with women. I think we more thought, oh, women are going to be presenters. So. First of all, being a presenter, I was like, how's that going to be received? And then when I started to cover real issues, and and in some ways I had to be... I had to... Not condescending, but I had to be critical of certain acts and certain stuff that I've been around or come from. And then I had to spend time with the police, like do raids with the police, who was like our arch enemy. I was worried. But then... I went, I'll be back in the environments that I'm from. And I realised people were actually proud of me. Like, but you know what? I realised that early, actually. I think the first time that that happened to me is when I got my GCSEs. I got 11 GCSEs in my GCSEs, even though I got expelled from school. I got 11 GCSEs. And then I remember coming back to the ends with my GCSEs, and I was a little bit embarrassed because all the boys around me who were in my circle, I think maybe combined, they probably got about, three or four like a lot of them got U's and stuff so I was embarrassed I had 11 GCSEs I had B's and stuff as well I had like you know, I, did, I, did, or I, I didn't I did do as good as I should have done based on what my, my maybe what my intelligence was but I got like six B's and like you know what I mean Like I and I was embarrassed I came back to the hood excuse my language but this is how it, I'm going to tell me I'm going to be real with you I came back to the hood and then I remember the man they were like wow oh, well she got 11 GCSEs and they were kind of celebrating it and I was like the, I wasn't expecting that and I think that day there prepared me for this because I realised oh actually achievement can be celebrated by by where I'm from so when I went into doing this I hoped that that same mentality applied and it did I remember I was in um, Hosden I was on Hosden High Road and I seen one guy that used to be at the state at the bottom of my road I used to I wasn't around him all the time but I'd be around him sometimes he was like yo 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 Ro- everyone calls me Roach Roach he was like oh is that run Yo, I see what you're doing. I was like, all of us were watching you on, in jail on TV. I was like, you were in jail. He's like, yeah, I just got out. I'm like, raw. He was like, said, yeah, we used to watch all your stuff on TV, and I was like, oh, raw. Like you're watching me on, on in jail. I was like, raw. That's that's first of all, please stay out of jail. But um, second of all, that's that's good to know because I feel like the programs that was the, t- the int- intended audience as well. I, I, I want I want I want those in those situations to watch and hopefully um gain a, a new perspective. Or maybe a, a different type of awareness that maybe they didn't didn't have from their perspectives. Um, I was at a, I was at this bar one time. I was at an event. I think I was actually there as a guest to like talk or something like that. And then there was this guy at the uh, at the event, very very street. And then he must have seen me at the bar, and he approached me and he was like, "Yo," bro. and I was like, oh, "What's what's this going to be about?" Because it sounded a little bit like it might be a little bit conflictive. Then he proceeded to go on that, to tell me that him and, it, and, and the mother of his child um, watch all of my stuff and that it was refreshing for him to finally have a voice like his on TV speaking about the issues that we experience and that we, and we come from. And he got, he got quite visibly emotional about it. And then I was like, wow. And that's when I realized I need to continue. And then it also gave me a huge sense of responsibility because I then understood that I am now representing a whole community of people that at that time felt like they hadn't really seen somebody like me from the environment doing what I was doing and in a way that was they could be proud of because I'm, you know, I, I have a certain a certain tone to my voice, but I've proud pride myself on still speaking with a certain level of eloquence because I understand that you need to in these environments because people won't take you seriously or won't realise that you have something important to say and so yeah I was scared but thankfully to the people where I'm from thank you for embracing me everyone um I've been embraced for the most part there's been some things that I haven't been too happy about and some people do call me and stuff to tell me I won't speak about that on camera but um for the most part for the most part there's been there's been happy there's been happy happy receipt of what I've been doing which is which is beautiful
1: I think it is it's so important isn't it because people say it doesn't matter what everyone thinks but it does it does to some extent when when you can feel that what you're doing all the hard work you're putting in the passion you've got is being received it makes us feel good right it's like the fuel it's like actually i didn't need the validation but it, it helps yeah. it helps to carry on um i've got a really good friend of mine who um has a similar experience of public speaking she's um she's from the caribbean and i remember the very first speaking opportunity she had was like 100 people in the room and the amount of women similar backgrounds came down and said I've seen that you can do it seeing someone that looks like me on that stage made me realise I can do it too 100% it's just it's so inspiring what Aaron, do you think is stopping people from wanting to do more what you do and what she does to if they're starting to see people look, look like them or sound like them what do you think we can do to help them put themselves out there a bit more
0: I think it's happening I think it's happening I feel like the industry still needs to change um, unfortunately, the industry is very. I'm gonna. I might get in trouble. The industry the industry is very much like a um, like a old boys club. You know what I mean? It's like your friends bring your friends in and bring your friends' children in and your friends' friends in and your friends' nephews and your nephews and your godchildren in. It's like so. What you find is that it becomes quite incestuous, where people that are getting opportunities are those who are connected to other people who already had opportunities. So I think the industry needs to change in a way that it needs to be actually genuinely more inclusive, um, not just through diversity schemes, but through the what I keep speaking about, which is meritocracy. All right. If there are some if there are people who are from whatever background and they're really good at this, they should be given an opportunity or at least have the chance at the opportunity, as opposed to somebody who you already know or who is connected to somebody you already know. Do you know what I mean? Um so I think to make it to make it be more to make those people who maybe feel like this is not something that I can do, feel like it is something they can do. They need to see a more reflective and inclusive um, industry. I think it is happening. People are using the internet. I spoke to you earlier about the internet, how sometimes it can be a little bit um, uh, unfeasible in regards to how people do gain fame because it could be done through quite silly measures and silly means. Um, But there is also people that are using it to get a powerful voice, a a, a powerful story, um, a distinct talent, giving, and giving it a platform and allowing it to be seen in a way that we haven't really had before. And those people are, are getting opportunities to to take that even further. So I think it is happening, but like you say, people need to see it to believe it. And unless we start giving those people opportunities, it's not gonna happen. You know, even in me on my journey, I feel like I've been I'm thankful for what I've been able to do, but there's so much more I have to offer. There's so much more that I can do I'm on the journey, but you know it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's not easy. It's not, it's not easy when you know what you can do and you've shown glimpses of it. I feel like, sometimes I feel like a football player. What's it? I feel like James Ward-Prowse or like James Madison. Like, <laughs> you, might, you might not know football, but they play, they've been playing really, really well and they're not getting selected for England. It's like, it's like me. It's like, I feel like I've been playing really well. I've had a few man-in-a-match performances, but like, you're not putting me in. Yeah. Guys, put me in the England team is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, (laughs) Give me my opportunity to shine because I feel like that's what it is. And I I won't let you down. I won't. I'm like, wait, Rooney, just put me in. (laughs)
1: Mm. Yeah. I think the thing is that one thing I've noticed and you've kind of touched on it is that we do have a responsibility when you're in front of a camera. And I I love the Internet. I think, I mean, this show wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Internet. You know, if we just had to wait nowadays for a TV or radio station to pick us up. I would say 80% of people who are have got their own podcasts <laughs> would be able to do it, right? So I'm definitely not slating the internet. Yeah. But I would say there is a, I, I mean, I'm in a quote Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think we have a responsibility when you're in front of a camera. And I, that's my only concern with people who do silly things on, on social media. They're almost influencing other people to do the same. That's why these dangerous trends pop up. Yep.
0: Exactly, it's dangerous. I remember there was one at one time, and I was, I was writing a documentary. Um, idea around it where there was, uh, people that were trying to like. I, th- I think they were swallowing like the washing machine, um, tablets or something oh, like that. The plans yeah, like there's been all types of dangerous things that could lead to people possibly like really risking their own lives. And you're right, but I've come to realize that, you know, when we when we want the evolution of things, we have to un- we have to accept, not accept, but we have to understand that there's going to also be the negatives that come with it. Do you know what I mean? You know, we've got the evolution of driverless cars. Not to take it into some weird like, tech talk, but we have the evolution of driverless cars, for instance, yeah? Driverless cars, that's amazing, especially if someone that might, might be blind or maybe someone who can't drive anymore. But at the same time, driverless cars also have technology and um, algorithms and functionality that they do something called... Uh, uh, like a risk assessment and they 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 make choices based on what they think would be the biggest loss. So for instance, if you have two driverless cars and they're about to um to, to collide, the driverless car that has the least amount of people might throw itself off the edge to save the car that has more people in. Because that's that's how it works. It works in a in a way of trying to be more risk averse. How can we save more lives? So what I'm trying to say is is that wow, great evolution of having driverless cars, great evolution of having AI But then actually there's also some choices and some stuff that can happen as a result of them that might not be aligning with with what we would most want as human beings. Same goes for the internet. It's evolving, people are getting opportunities, but there's also a lot of Mm. idiocy that is also getting championed and pushed. So we have to find a way of, and I think it's starting to happen ish in that we need to have a lot more um, quality control. Mm. Um, We need to start thinking about, okay, yeah, you're a bit silly. But you are actually talented as well. Rather than you are silly and the idiot, everyone loves you. Let's put you in. Let's find a happy balance. I don't mind silliness. I am very silly myself, and what I am doing right now, what's gonna be coming out in January, you'll see. Like I am very, very silly. It's completely different, but um, a balance, please. Yeah, balance. Yeah, it's and needed.
1: I think I think you are right. I think it's about a balance, and it's also about what I would personally say is like supporting each other. If we if we want to get seen and be heard. You know, people always sell social media or like and follow and subscribe and all that sort of stuff. So supporting people to get them more views, but also calling people out if it's maybe not the best thing. You know, sometimes I, like. I don't think regulation is needed, but sometimes I do think actually just being like, come on, mate, was that was that really a good idea? Like. Was that was that really worth doing? And it sounds to me on your journey, Aaron, you've had quite a few people supporting you. You know, you mentioned earlier. And and I, I love the fact that, you know, if it wasn't for them, you like you said, you wouldn't even see the potential in, in yourself. What, what are you now doing with your... I suppose power your experience to continue that maybe with kids or with other people in helping you share your knowledge.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I am doing. Like I um, I do a lot of talks. I've probably spoken to I've probably spoken to the in excess of maybe 30,000 um young people in terms of done like motivational talks. Um I'm also part of something called the Crew Room Academy, which is an initiative that has been brought together by a few guys who used to work at TV Centre. I think they still do. They used to write, run shows like Good Morning Britain and um, This Morning and other live um, studio shows. And they decided one day that this is it's getting me on a joke now. All I see is the same sorts of faces. We need to do something that helps people from the backgrounds that find it harder to get into this industry have a chance. So that is the lesser economically privileged backgrounds, that is the ethnic minority backgrounds, and just people maybe even like in terms of location, they might be further across the country where they're not as close to London to have. So they've built this initiative. I'm the face of it, they have a course. I'm the face of the course. Um, The course takes you on a journey of understanding the plethora of roles in the industry. Because I think everyone thinks it's just camera, presenter, or a director, there's a plethora of roles. There's streaming engineers, broadcast engineers, live editors. There's you know what I mean? There's a there's a plethora of roles. And um, they are directly connecting with um young people as well and communities. In fact, through one of my programs that I done called Brent Futures, one of my mentees, I put them in contact with Crew Room Academy. Crew Room Academy put her as a in contact with uh This Morning. She did a bit of shadowing. And then she got a role on was it Britain's Got Talent as a runner and now she's now she's working her way through the industry. She's now um she's now got her place in the TV industry and that's come through them. And so I'm gonna be doing more work with them. I wanna try and create something more as well. We're gonna start a new slate of filming. There's gonna be more um it, we've got interactive programs. So when you go onto the onto the Crew Room Academy um courses, you might say, Oh, I wanna see what a cameraman is. You click on it. I pop up and then there's quizzes. And then it, it even says to you, how would you frame this shot? Show me what focus you would do." And, and you can change the focus. It's proper interactive and it shows people. Basically what it's using, it was for as well is to show people, well, actually there's these roles. You might actually like something like this. Mm. I didn't know nothing about TV, about the, about the roles. I learned through being in it. So it's like, it's really, really cool. And I think the main aim for them is, like I said, to connect people who would, who would usually struggle with gaining access into the industry to have that network and that that initiative that is helping you to do so. And we've got a lot of plans that are going to be happening over the next half a year as well to go even further. And I would like to do something off my own back with them where I kind of act like a funnel to bring more people into opportunities with them as well. And that's what I will continue to do. It's very important for me that... I said today, even like on my Instagram, I said, like, I knew from the start that my journey wasn't about me. My journey was about what I can do in terms of providing opportunities for others. I realised that very early. I knew that I'm not supposed to be um, the face of TV in the UK. I knew that I'm going to have a place there and I'm going to be respected for what I do, but I knew that my place is going to be a place of connecting and building a network to help others. That's my nature. That's my nature inherently. And I'm not going to change that in search of ego or fame. Like I would rather help 100 people get towards their dream then just push me one towards mine It's just how i'm built It's just how my mind is
1: and that's probably why also you are you are able to inspire other people because a lot of people my pet peeve in this industry if i can is a lot of people say that but don't deliver on yeah, yeah. they're like i want to help hundreds of people and then it's like well what are you doing about it you know or when they when you offer an opportunity for them to do that they're like here's my price tag yeah. Right, and it's way above any charity budget or anything. So I think one of the things I really value about what you do, Aaron, and I saw on your Instagram actually, all, all the stuff that you are doing and the messages that you're sharing it is it really is really inspiring. Now, question for you: You touched on a little bit of what you're up to next. You've done so much in your career so far. What's next, Aaron?
0: <laughs> Let me drink my drink. I'm, I'm not even I'm, I don't even know if I'm actually allowed to talk about it. <laughs> I will do. I get in trouble. I get in trouble. So. Um, in fact, I'll tell you the story. So, I had a lecturer in uni who was like groundbreaking for me. And through her being my lecturer, her daughters kept in contact with me. Now, I think both of them, one of her daughters works in um, broadcasting TV and filmmaking, actually, documentary filmmaking. She came to me one day and she said, Oh, Aaron, like, um, could you help me out? I'm trying to find some presenters who are based out of London um to possibly host like uh, a series or at least a pilot for a possible series and I'm like yeah like I, I know a few I'll tell you what it is for a kids um series I was like yeah I know a few um so I forwarded a few people that I could think of and then she came back to me one day and she was like oh Aaron you um you lived in Birmingham for a few years I said yeah I lived there for four years while I was studying she was like oh would you want to come and do like a pilot? And I'm like, what for a kids' TV show? I was like, <laughs> I said, I don't think I don't think that will be really like for me. Like I do hard hitting factual entertainment. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then she was like, look, um, yeah, I, th- I think you'd be cool if you came and just like maybe just did like a little um, what you call like a sizzle, a sizzle tape. I said, oh, do you know what? Cool, I'll come down there. I'll do it. I remember I did it it was okay. I remember leaving thinking that was okay at best. Okay. Fast forward, they came back to me and said, oh, BBC loved it. The Plush team loved it. Like, they thought that you were the best out of all the people that did sizzle tapes. And I was like, what, me? They were like, yeah, your approach with the kids and stuff and blah, blah, blah. So fast forward to now, I've been filming since May. And we're just about to finish, heading to voiceover. I am now the new host for a kids' show, a brand new kids' show on CBBS that starts in January, and it's called I Can Do It, You Can Too. And it's all about young kids who have got incredible skills, race car driving, uh, basketball, football, uh, um, rock climbing, um, swimming... Uh, BMX bike riding all different types of incredible skills taekwondo, gymnastics and they show another young child who's interested in that in that in that skill, how to do it and that's why it's called I Can Do It, You Can Too and I pop in with a whole lot of madness throughout the show and it's hilarious and it's a whole other side that people who have observed my career have never seen to me before. I've had a lot of fun I'm not gonna lie. I've had a lot, probably too much fun, um, and I'm really proud of it. And it should be coming out in January. And I'm hoping it's gonna be it's gonna be an ongoing series as well. So that is the next stage for me at the moment. I am now a kids TV presenter, which is mind blowing. That was never the aim. Wow. But I am proud. It's gonna be good. I can't wait for you guys to see it. I might show you something actually after. I might have something on my on my phone.
1: Please do. And and I also just really love the concept of that. Yeah. Because it's so true, isn't it? And I think that's actually, you know, you can do what I can do too. As a theory, generally, is so important. It's how we all learn. Sometimes we like we talked about it. See someone that looks like you, sounds like you from your background. Well, they're there, so maybe I can do it too.
0: And I love it as well because um, it's peer-to-peer learning. We've never seen children lead a program. I'm the presenter, but I'm not the star. The stars are those kids. And they are leading the show and they're leading each other. We, we hardly ever see peer-to-peer learning. You always see an adult stepping in and helping. No, these kids are leading and teach. And, well, we don't use the word teach. I'm not allowed to use the word teach. They're showing their skills to each other. And, um, and yeah, like, it's phenomenal. What I love about it as well is that it's regional. So we've spent a lot of time in the Midlands. We spent a lot of time in Scotland. We spent a lot of time in Wales and in Bristol in the southwest. So all the kids that you're going to be seeing are all regional accents. It's not very London. In fact, n- I'm the only London voice you're going to hear. It's not London-centric. I think a lot of times we have a lot of London-centric shows. It's nice that we've been able to give a platform to skilled people from all different regions in the country to show that, that the UK is more than just London. I think sometimes it seems like that on TV, right? So yeah, Certainly. it's cool. I'm I'm very proud of it. I can't wait for it to come out. It's going to be, yeah. I'm interested to see how people are going to take it. Because like I said, no one has ever seen me like that before. It's like it's wacky. It's fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's like I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, man, it's cool.
1: It'll be really good. Well, Aaron, I'm curious on that, actually, because you said like people haven't seen you in that light before. How, how have you found that as a, as a presenter? You know, I always hear in the industry I'm in, Chloe, you must niche. You must be good at this thing and be known as this thing. Yeah. How have you found it in presenting? Because you've prevented you've presented so many different things. Yeah, were you ever given that advice, Aaron? You must yeah.
0: When I first started in the industry, I was multi-skilled and more talented So I would tell people, Look, "I'm a actor, I'm a presenter, I'm a poet, um, and what else was I? Yeah, actor, presenter, poet." Like, and then I remember very early that like, people used to really like drill me the night. Well, but what are you though? What's your thing? But what's your main thing? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm all of these things. They're like, what's your main thing? So I think very quickly when I came into this industry, I had to learn, I had to streamline myself. So I kind of, that's probably part of the reason why I put um, poetry and acting on the back burner because I was like, well, look, presenting is the thing that has showed me the most um, traction in terms of success. And it's something that I'm actively pursuing right now. So I need to put the other two on the back burner. And then when I became a presenter now, I remember speaking to Reggie Yates about this because um, Reggie Yates is someone who I feel like has, has been able to traverse the industry in, the, in different ways. And he explained to me that, you know, actually when he first came into the industry, he had actually done um, serious stuff before he had done the wacky stuff. Um, and he just explained to me that it's all in the approach. He 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 he, he tried to make me understand that there, there, there shouldn't be a ceiling. And I think through also speaking to him and having him to kind of offer me some sort of mentorship in some way um, made me understand that um, you can have multiple interests when I first started to pitch documentary ideas to people when I was doing the entertainment stuff, they were like, "Why should you do this? Why would you want to do this?" And I was like, "But I'm allowed to have multiple interests." But they make you feel like you're not. When well, when I finally <laughs> broke that door into <laughs> into factual documentary, um, I think it kind of opened up in me that actually you can do what you what, as long as you do it well, and as long as you do it like you have to put your all in. Like with this kids show, I couldn't be half hearted i can't just be like hey kids and you can see that i'm holding but i had to put i had to go all the way in i had to (laughs) i had to literally become like a kid which was fun actually and so what i would say in response to your question is it's very difficult because people want you to be typecast. they want you to have your one thing and you should have something that you want i have my things that i'm passionate about and i can always stick back into them like i actively do them no matter what else i'm doing in my career um embody what you're about if you are about it genuinely But I feel like you can do different things, but just make sure you do them well. Like, I put my all into everything that I do. You can't tell me that it felt like I was, I don't know, you know, something was missing. Because there isn't anything missing. I put everything there for you. Like, I lay myself bare with this stuff. Like, sometimes I feel like I don't leave anything for myself or even my family. I give so much. But you have to. You can do different things, but just make sure you do them well. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think sometimes it's okay to change your mind as well. Yeah. 100%. You know, we're, we're all human, aren't we? And, yeah, yeah. and sometimes it can take the fun out of it and be a bit boring if yeah. we have to stay and do one thing for the rest of our life. And, you know, especially in something that's creative as presenting yeah. or TV.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like, I, yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Like, this is, look, I had never, I never had the intention to be a presenter. Um, I definitely didn't have the intention to uh, be a kids TV presenter. But when you look at me as a person, like I've worked within the inner inner city areas and areas in general with issues related to young people. I then put that into documentaries. I'm very good with children. Like children for some reason, I don't know why because I'm an idiot. Maybe that's why they do. But children seem to love me. Everyone that knows me in in my social circle knows that. Everyone tried to make me their godfather to their children. Yeah. And then... I'm now doing kids TV. So I feel like things make sense in the end. Embrace them. Like, I feel like I'm getting a chance to live out all of the attributes that I have both personal and professional and now show it to the world. Um, Sometimes you've got to be honest with yourself and allow that to happen. When I first, I I really had to think about doing the kids TV show. I was like, is this something for me to really do? I had to think about, is it going to possibly jeopardize the reputation the the um, respect that I have within the other realm of programming that I do but it doesn't like I think if anything it just adds to the, the versatility the, the versatility of me <laughs> as a presenter and also more than that the versatility to me as an individual as a person I'm like that with kids you might not know because you haven't seen me on camera I care about those issues you see me presenting about because I do it within the communities that I'm from um I am a good interviewer. I'm genuinely a a, a curious person. I really like to hear someone's story and I kind of hear how they got from being someone with an idea or a dream to being someone who's in front of me now successful for those ideas and dreams. Do you know what I mean? So allow all elements to you to come out and and transpire and and don't hold back. Like if there are... I always tell young people, I say to them, look, you might have an incredible infatuation with stamps. And you might think to yourself, who the hell is going to be interested in stamps? But actually, there's a community there for you. The internet is global. You might start your own stamp podcast and find that there are at least 500,000 people in the world who are also infatuated with stamps. Like, do not allow anyone to tell you that you're weird. Do not let allow anyone to like to kind of denigrate your interest into something that shouldn't be spoken about or shown. Everyone can find their own community. That guy, Francis. Francis is actually from Northwest London. He loved trains. He used to go to the trains and get really excited by trains. He started his Snapchat, uh, sorry, his TikTok about trains. Now this guy is possibly a millionaire because he gets flown all around the world to look at different trains in different places. So what something that, that used to be something that he was bullied about. That he was passionate about he turned it now into a whole career I always tell young people and people in general turn your passions into your profession all right let your passions pay your pocket and don't be afraid to show that it's important
1: yeah. I love that it's such a beautiful message and do you know what I'm, I'm kind of giggling to myself because when I was growing up my parents used to always say to me that I could talk for England yeah and they'd always go on it like, "Claire, will you just shut up for a second? <laughs> and now I obviously speak on stages. I've got yeah. a microphone in front of me all the time. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sitting like, see, mum, you know, the holiday we're about to go on. <laughs> this is because I'm, yeah. you know, I, I could talk for England. And exactly. I think sometimes it is, kids are sort of told like, oh, don't be doing that. Or, you know, because the parents don't understand. Adults are trying to like put them in a box almost. And I think it is nice that you're there going, why not?
0: Give it a try, I mean, m- Give it a
1: go.
0: I would never... Listen, I I used to work in a creative college as well, um, Big Up Access College in Shoreditch. Um, It's full of people that are studying gaming, uh, videography, photography, uh, vocals, vocal singing, uh, uh, musical instrument production, music producing, all creative courses. And one of the boys that I used to mentor was a death metal singer. Now, if you look at me, you can see I'm probably not going to be into death metal, but this boy was, and I love this boy yeah big up jacob wherever you are yeah i love this boy yeah and i think that experience as well showed me that i don't have to have the same interest as you to be able to motivate you or to support you um towards your dream and so i've taken that everywhere with me it's like yeah you might be something that i have no knowledge about but i know that you do and i know that you're passionate about it and i will push you and do whatever i can within my means as well to help you as well get towards that like i just i just feel like Taking it from myself as well. I feel like there was elements to me that I suppressed for even poetry. I used to write poetry. No one knew. Right? It's like proper like deep, um, Carol Ann Duffy inspired poetry. Yeah. Big up Carol Ann Duffy. You're a G. Um, (laughs) and, um, and nobody knew. And I was keeping all of these things secret because I felt like I didn't fit within the status quo. Um, I believe let your passions lead you. Yeah. Don't neglect your passions. All right, turn your passion into profession. Let your passions pay your pocket. Yeah, loads of peas. Yeah, love it. And hopefully, you make loads of peas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, follow the process. Yeah, and you will absolutely. Exactly. Oh, Aaron, it's it's been so good. I feel like I could literally talk to you all day oh, God or just bless ca- carry on this conversation. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're now, welcome. we have a, a tradition on the show. At the end of each episode, the guest that we've had currently on the show who has inspired us the most today, which has been yourself shares someone that you know who you think has an inspiring story that we can have on the show next who do you think all
0: right I've got a few names for you yeah different types of people um, all right so the first name that I've got for you is um it's Bob Clark yeah now Bob Clark is an executive producer and a director he's actually the person that he was the first person to put me on tv i guess kind of channel channel, the sky one show now he is someone who for the last more than the last decade has had a charity called mama youth project and what they do is they recruit loads of people who've never well maybe they might have touched a camera maybe in college or something like that or I don't know, maybe they've, they're have an enthusiast on their own behalf. But for the most part, they've never, ever worked in the industry. And he was putting these people through uh, 12-week intensive training. They would then become the crew for the show that I was presenting on Sky One. And then loads of them end up going straight into the TV industry, into big roles. In fact, I've got so many of them that I've got like on my social media and stuff that are now working in some of the biggest channels and production companies in the country. I go to as a production companies. I see these guys that used to work on the show. I'm like... What are, you doing here? what are you doing here? Do you know what I mean? And I feel like people don't know about what Bob, Bob Clark is doing. Like He's been doing that for years. He's literally put, similar to what I'm trying to do as well, he's literally put, I would say, possibly thousands of people into TV. Thousands. And he's like an unsung hero. So I would say him. Also Errol Osman, who is um, who's also one of the, uh, the owners of the Crew Room Academy, who is a man that started in the TV industry as a runner at like 16 years old. And he worked his, he's like he's now like in his mid 30s, mid to late 30s, and he worked all his, his way all the way up to like being like a massively senior um position in the TV industry. Um amazing story because you don't see it. He's from a he's probably like kind of like, yeah, you know what I mean? Kind of kind of kind of guy. But like he he earned his position and he's he's really he's really the true definition of hard work paying off. Um Justin Finlayson, another person for you, who is the owner of um uh Jesus, what's it called again? What's his organisation called? It's called United Borders. And he has got a a double-decker bus that he's turned into a mobile studio and, um, I guess, centre. He takes all around the country to do, like, inspiring sessions with young people all around the country. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and he's an incredible individual. And the last person i probably say is... I think that's enough. That's probably enough, isn't it? If wow. you want some more, I've got I've got more for you, but I think I think those are enough. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think all three of those people would be amazing. Wow! Stories.
1: Thank you so much, Aaron. That was yeah. amazing. Well, we'll definitely be in touch. I'll be uh, grabbing the details from you and see yeah. what we can incredibly yeah. after this. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for being here. You've been mm-hmm. so inspiring, and I can't wait to see how your brand new children's
0: <laughs> TV show comes along. Yeah, look out for it. It's coming out in January. I can do it. You can too. On CBeebies.
1: Oh, fantastic! Well, guys. <laughs> What an inspiring episode that has been. I don't know about you guys, but there were so many golden nuggets dropped in there from Aaron. Now, if you haven't already, you guys already know the drill. Pop in the comments. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, what was the most inspiring message that you got from Aaron in this episode? Which stood out to you as something that you think, do you know what, this has really inspired me today and what you're going to do about it now? If you are listening on Spotify or Apple or any of the other podcast platforms and you haven't already subscribed or if you're watching on our YouTube channel, make sure you have subscribed because you do not want to miss the next inspiring guest I've got lined up for you. I will see you all next week.